And when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. When the centurion and those guarding Jesus saw the earthquake, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. After the Sabbath, as dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went with some other women to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone. The angel's appearance was like lightning, and the clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of the angel that they shook and became like dead men. Upon seeing that the tomb was empty, the women were frightened, wondering where Jesus' body might be. The angel exclaimed, Do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. He is risen.
be seated. we'd love for you to pick up a welcome folder. You can pick it up at the back of the sanctuary at the connection site or at the welcome desk. In your bulletin, you'll find a friendship card. Please fill it out so we'll know you're here. And on the back, you can leave prayer concerns, blessings, or notes to the staff. Happy Easter! Happy Easter, everyone! It is so good to be in the house of the Lord and celebrating this holy day. I would love to hear from you this morning. What are you thankful for? Is there anything you'd like to say? Yes. Two weeks ago, all of you prayed for Deidre and Tom to get new jobs, and they did in two weeks. Praise God. New jobs. Love it. Anyone else want to share? Yeah. Jan is here and back to church. Jan is here, back to church. Wonderful. Glad you're joining us. Yeah. Anyone else? As we take some time to take up our offering, it's a reflection of our gratitude through what God has been doing and is continuing to doing and has done in your life. So as we take up the offering, please reflect on God's goodness.
to you, God, and to your Son, Jesus Christ, who rose for us. Lord, we give that back to you. Thanks. A praise to you. A reflection of our love and of our gratitude for your saving grace. We pray that this gift will be a blessing to you and that you will bless it to go out and minister into the world, proclaiming your holy name and drawing people closer into relationship with you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Okay, let's come to the Lord in prayer. Lord, you are so good. Your love just overflows. And we love to experience you and to exalt you and to praise your holy name. And we come to you this day in trust and in faith, knowing that you are a healer, that you know our concerns and you know what's on our hearts and that you have a desire to heal. We lift up the people that were named today. We lift them up for your healing touch to be upon them, that they would receive physical healing, that their bodies will be made well and whole. We pray for disease to be cast out in the name of Jesus, that anything that is going wrong in people's bodies will be healed. We pray for pain to cease. We pray that you'll be with doctors and nurses and guide their hand and give them your vision. And we pray for people who are giving care to those who are struggling with their health, that you lift them up, give them your peace and your presence and your strength. Lord, all people who are struggling in their, in their body, Lord, we pray that you will wrap them in your arms and help them to know that you are there. Help them to feel your presence as you heal them. Lord, we pray for people who are struggling with mental illness. We lift up people who are struggling with anxiety, with depression, with any form of mental illness. We lift that up, Lord. May your grace abound and give them a mind of Christ that they may know their identity in you and that any dark voices be gone. Lord, we pray that people will know you and draw closer to you. And if any do not know you, that you will draw them and that we will be a witness to them. May they experience your power and your love. We pray for the people of Sri Lanka and all over the world as people gather to glorify you and are facing violence, facing threats. Lord, protect your people. A blanket of protection over your people, Lord. Keep us safe. Be with the people in Sri Lanka and give them your peace and your presence. Lord, we pray for relationships. Broken relationships may be healed. The people will have forgiving hearts. The people will see one another with your eyes. Lord, I pray for healing in relationships. The people will have your words come from their mouths, fueled by your love. And any bitterness and resentment and anger be gone in the name of Jesus. Lord, we come to you this Easter day, this celebration of your goodness and your holiness to lift you up, knowing that you are our healer, you are our savior, and we trust in you for all things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Now let's hear from the word of the Lord. Happy Easter. The scripture this morning is from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I watched the great cathedral burn, and I saw the faces of the people in Paris, there's just this feeling of, of, of anguish and helplessness. Mary's words, they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've put him. And then when I woke up this morning, and my wife Jackie told me to turn on the, the TV, And I saw that they had bombed churches on Easter morning in Sri Lanka. How do we deal with that when tragedy strikes? How do we deal with it when it feels as if the dreams we have, the goals we have, the life we plan for seems to fall apart? They had a a big dream. The disciples did. Jesus was going to 
lead them to conquer the world. They were going to be seated as princes on small thrones around the world. They could, they could see it. They could taste it. They could touch it. They, they believed that it would happen. And then Good Friday came. They didn't think it was very good. The last thing that anybody expected is Jesus would die. And if they really had come to believe that this was the Son of God, it meant that God died. What does that mean even? Killed their dream. You ever have a dream killed? You ever have your life so turned upside down that you don't know what you're supposed to do with it? My wife and I have been going through things in our house. After you live in a place for 30 years, you gotta just gotta just get rid of some things, you know? And and the problem is, is that every single piece of paper, every piece of furniture, every item has a story. So this isn't something where you could just go into the room and haul it all out. You could do that in my house, and I could do that in your house. But we can't do that in our own house. So some of the things we find are pretty easy. We can just, you know, out they go. The seminary papers I wrote 35 years ago, they all went in the recycle bin. Nobody cares about those anymore. I haven't even read them in 35 years. My father was one of those first responders that ran into the burning fires to bring out people. Thought of him this week when I was watching that cathedral work fire, and they were saying 500 firefighters were working on that. I don't think this will go away. This is one of those things you just hold on to. There's not real reason. It's my father's first helmet. I got to be honest with you. It's got a it's got a big whack in the back of it here where something hit him, and I've tried to put it on. This is the most uncomfortable thing you could ever wear. To think he actually wore that fighting fire is unbelievable. In the, my dad was a hero. And we could always see that role model of a hero. But in the basement, my wife came across a wheelchair. Now, in our house, wheelchairs were everywhere. I mean, we had about five of them out at Silver Lake at our cottage alone. There were some in South Carolina, some in Philadelphia over at Pendleton, and we still have one. What are we doing with a wheelchair, you might wonder. Well, some of you may or some of you may not know that my mother had, had polio when she was about 25, and, and she couldn't really walk well, so we grew up with wheelchairs. I could do a wheelie in this thing and spin around in circles, which I thought of doing because I thought it'd be cool, but then I thought, yeah, it would be my luck that this would be the one time, <laughs> right? It hasn't happened in 60 years, but you know, it, would be, it would be the one time in front of everybody, so I, I'm not going to do that. Just believe I can do it. <laughs> this guy wants me to do it. But you see, the difficulty is, is my father was our hero we admired, but my mother was the one we did everything around. We have a place at Silver Lake. It looks like this, if you've never seen it. That's our cottage at Silver Lake. You see that little piece on the back there? We added that. Do you know why we added that? 
because my mother couldn't climb the stairs anymore. We didn't want to add that. It cost way too much money and a lot, way too much work. And to make it acceptable for it, it was even more work. But everything in that house had to be designed around my mother. There are grab bars everywhere. No doors are allowed to be less than 36 inches. It's just the way it is. We have pocket doors, not swinging doors, because they're easier for people in a wheelchair. We have counters in our kitchen that are table height. We even have a shower, which my wife truly despises, that has a handle down here. Because when you're sitting in a chair, you don't want a handle up here. But she's not there anymore. My wife found a wheelchair, and I got a couple of Easter cards. And I have to be honest with you, I was looking through them for my mother's card. I knew it wasn't there. I was just looking through them because that's, there always was a card from mom. Now it's been a lot of years. I know that. I get that. That's what I'm trying to say. This could have happened to you 10 years ago. And when your dreams are shattered, it just, you don't know what to do. So how do you go back to normal in the midst of chaos like these guys are trying to do? They kept looking into the tomb. Did you see that? They're looking into the tomb. Even when they've looked in there and he's not there, they're still looking in the tomb. Like I'm looking for an Easter card that doesn't exist, right? When I was a child, God was like a superhero. God was this mythical creature in my mind that could heal anybody, could, could, could do miracles, could raise the dead, could give eternal life. But then I saw people that I knew and I loved that became broken and they weren't healed. My own mother, who I prayed for to get out of that wheelchair all of her life that I knew her, never did. I became disappointed with God. I became a little disillusioned about God. I have to admit it. Mary says, they have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they put him. It's always an interesting question to me. Who are they? Who does Mary think they are? Who does she think took God away? Who do we let carry God away from our lives? We're all looking for something in life. And oftentimes we're not satisfied. There's not a room in that building that I could show you where I couldn't point out something that isn't finished. I believe in the 95% rule. You finish the room 95%, it's good enough. And by the way, that 5% is what my wife will look at all the time so I don't have to think about all the stuff I didn't do right that I know. Didn't admit that, but I did. She knows it. Mary returns to where she last knew Jesus was. She put him in the tomb. Just like some people return to church because that's where they last saw God. You're here. It's Easter. We need to go to church. We're not even sure why, but we're going to go. But the chair is empty. The tomb is empty. The cathedral is an empty shell this morning. And our faith can seem empty. Like, what's the point? We let a lot of things take away our faith in God. Mary, at least, is at the tomb. 
You know where the other disciples are? Even Peter and John that we have in this story, they went back into hiding. They're so brave, they're, they're so, so bold that they went and hid while Mary stands outside the tomb, weeping. But see, even when we feel our faith slipping, God is still faithful. He sends his angels. She looks into the tomb, and, and there's the angels, and they're, they're waiting for her, just like they're waiting for us. In the book of Luke, they say to Mary, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He isn't here. And they say in this gospel to Mary, why are you crying? It's Easter. Why are you crying? It's Easter. He's, he's risen. We know that. Why aren't you celebrating, Mary? Because they've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where to find him. Jesus appears, calls her by name. Isn't that amazing? This one little word, Mary. Joe, Bill, Sue, Kathy. God calls us by our very name. He knows who we are. He's counted every hair on our head. For some, that's a little easier than for others. (laughs) I can't even imagine that I could count all the hairs on my head. Jesus knows who we are. He knows where we are. Sometimes we may feel like we've been lost, but Jesus knows exactly where we are. And so she turns to Christ. She turns from the empty tomb, and she turns to Christ. In the the church, we have a word for that. The word is repent, or to turn around. Turn away from the death. Turn away from the empty tomb. Turn away from the brokenness and turn toward Jesus. Sometimes we don't see Jesus because we're not really looking. I'm certainly not looking where he is. But the interesting part is she didn't know who he was. (laughs) You know, I'm just trying to picture that. You know, like if I turned to my mother and I saw her and I didn't know who she was. If my father appeared to me, I know who he is. She didn't know who he was. It's it's not easy. When we're expecting something else and we turn to God. When we're expecting a, a superhero Jesus And we see a real, living, breathing God willing to get right down into the world with us so much that she thought he was the gardener. Interesting. Because we've been conditioned not to believe. So we see what we expect. I grew up in a culture called modernity. I don't know if you know what that means. In my seminary class and in my theology class, a professor said, 
The ultimate reference in life are logic and reason. Everything must be logical and reasonable. That is the prime referent. I said, excuse me, professor. I said, I thought God was the prime referent, and God could be illogical and unreasonable if he wanted to be. And he said, well, that's because you're a Neanderthal craft. (laughs) I get it. What he really meant is I was giving a, a view that is pre-modern. But now we live in a post-modern world, which is why people my age and older have all these struggles with the idea that young people, they think illogically and unreasonably and do whatever life seems to throw in their direction and accept things that we can't accept because we've been raised not to see them. I have a pastor who's a friend of mine. He's a little older than me, and he confessed to me in one of his deepest moments, I'm not sure if I really believe there's eternal life. I, Dude, are you serious? If you don't believe in this, how are the people you're preaching to going to believe in this? But he's been conditioned. If you can't see it, you can't touch it, you can't prove it with a scientific theory, it can't be. So Jesus looks like the gardener. But when we turn to him, when we turn to him and we open up our hearts to him, and we recognize that the problem is with us, not with him, that's when the change starts to occur. In our worship experience every week, it's when we turn to God and say, God, I'm a failure compared to you, but you can change that. Otherwise, we know it as confession. I'm going to invite you, if you will, to pray with me. Dear God in heaven, heaven. I have sinned. I I followed the wrong dream. dream. I've been afraid afraid. to believe. believe. Sometimes I don't understand. Sometimes I I feel disappointed. Sometimes I do what's wrong. And I feel so far away from you. Forgive me, Lord. Open my heart. Transform me into the dream you have for my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, sometimes we say that prayer as if it's just a a little thing we do, like a ritual. But do you realize that's the most important thing we do when we worship together? Because it changes who we are. Because God loves us so much that he can take the brokenness in our lives, the sin in our lives, everything that's been wrong in our lives, everything you've ever messed up for your entire life to this moment. And it goes away. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. forgiven. Glory to God. Glory to God. He is the one who, who transforms us. It's hard when our dreams fail. It was easy to believe when I was a kid. We we like to think of Easter as being for kids, but God isn't a superhero, God. He's beyond that. He's a living God. It's not in a comic book. 
He's not even in this book. He's written on the hearts of our lives. A lot of people feel like Mary, that their faith has been ripped away. And so people keep looking in an empty tomb. But God's not there. That house has five bedrooms, three baths, 1,200 square foot of porches. It is insanely huge for two people to live in. Why do we have that? Because it was the gathering place for our family. And my mother insisted that at least a couple nights a year, everyone in her family must sleep under the same roof. That's nuts, by the way, mothers. Stop doing that, you know? (laughs) We would travel from all over the country. They'd come for the gathering that we would have to do. It was a command performance. And it was my requirement to provide the rooms and the bathrooms to make it work for my mother. Now we've never had all those rooms filled at one time. One of them will probably become a closet for my wife. Why not? (laughs) My wife doesn't like that shower with the weird faucet. I said, there's two other bathrooms. Who cares? Don't use it. Ever. Ever. Jesus died. So did my mother and my father. But he lives again. And so shall we and so shall they. And that's the message of Easter. That's the glory of Easter. In John chapter 14 it says... I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. Because I live. Say it with me. Because I live, you also. You will. So will mom and dad. So many other people that have gone to glory. I drove up Bear Ridge Road one one day this week. Oddly, my wife and I had the same thought, even though we never said it to each other. We were counting the houses of the people that we used to know. Anybody ever do that? That aren't there anymore. But Jesus says, don't cry, Mary. There's no need for tears. Christ puts that sadness away. The failure, the struggle. Yes, the great cathedral has burned. But it will be rebuilt. In fact, they didn't have enough money to take care of it, but now they have a billion dollars. Amazing. Christ calls us by name. He breaks through the sadness and the disappointment and restores hope. Even the people in Sri Lanka was such a tragic and evil thing to do to any person on their day of worship. They have hope. They always have hope because God says the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. 
and even the people that are gone will live again. My mother doesn't live at the cottage anymore. Oh, I see her from time to time as I'm wandering through the house. It happens. But I know she lives in glory, and I'll see her again. Jesus says, what are you looking for? Why are you crying? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not there. Christ has risen.
believers joined together in professing the Christian faith as contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead so that we may have eternal life justified freely forever.
confident and victorious children of God, let's greet one another with the peace of the Holy Spirit. to celebrate the risen Christ. And Christ has come and given us all kinds of ways to connect with him, all kinds of ways so that we will know that we are in him and he is in us. And when we come to the table, that, that is an amazing time to remember. He has given us the bread, given us the juice, and told us that this is what we should do to connect with him, to come with him, to to him, to be blessed by him. So come this morning and receive your blessing. Everyone is welcome at the table. If you love God, repent of your sin and seek to live in peace as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are welcome to come to the table this morning. Not because I invite you, because Christ invites all of us. So come, even if you've never been in this church before, even if you've never been in any church before, if you are feeling that God would have you come and join us in celebration of the resurrection, you are welcome at the table this morning. Come and celebrate. God welcomes you. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right 
and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey, and set before us the way of life. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. By your great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of your Son from the dead and to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Once we were no people, but now... We are your people, declaring your wonderful deeds in Christ, who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. And on the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread and he gave thanks to you. He broke the bread and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise and gave it to his disciples. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new covenant, poured out for you, poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. On the day you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of the bread. And in the power of your Holy Spirit, your church has continued in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith, Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. And on these gifts of bread and wine, make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, 
with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of dearly beloved and redeemed children of God, let's pray the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Will those who are serving this morning please come forward.
story of Easter is that we don't live in the empty tomb. We don't live in the brokenness. We don't live in the sorrows of yesterday. Of course I miss my mother and father. Of course everything I go through in my house has a story, but 90% of it's going in the dumpster. Because we can't live in yesterday. We can't live in the past and the brokenness. We are not people of the grave. We are people of the skies. We are people of glory. I know that the day will come when I will see my mother, my father, and hundreds of people that have gone on before again. And so will you. I also know that we can now have an island in the middle of our kitchen at the cottage. An amazing concept we never thought possible. Because God has new imaginations and new dreams for your life. So don't live in yesterday. Don't live in the brokenness. God has forgiven you. You are made perfect. Walk this day in the grace of God and live in his glory and his spirit. May God make your Easter a wonderful experience. May God make this day filled with joy and celebration. No calories, no cholesterol, none of that nonsense. (laughs) May God wash over your family and give them the direction and the guidance and the dreams and the possibilities they need. May God walk with you today and every day and carry you in his peace and his hope. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I'll see you on the front sidewalk.